Uh, did you have a chance to go to Fall Fest? Raise your hand if you went to Fall Fest. Uh, I, I had an opportunity to go to both uh, campuses. We had Fall Fest both here and in Middletown and uh, enjoy the people here and then uh, go and, and be a part of the Middletown community and, and meet all those people and, and talk to all the people that come from the community. Uh, uh, we had an interesting experience at the Middletown campus. Uh, I looked up and there was a guy who decided that his costume was going to be Jesus, all right? Now, I don't know what you think about that. I personally wouldn't wear a Jesus costume for Halloween, but this guy was all over it. And, and of course, a thousand jokes came to my mind that I just couldn't help but just tell, tell a couple of them. I went up to Connor. I was like, did you see Jesus? He was like, no, I haven't seen him yet. I was like, I said, listen, he's here. And I said, it's about time Jesus showed up to this campus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's about time <laughs> Jesus showed up. And uh, but anyway, after that, I had a chance to go uh, down uh, off of 275 to, um, to a restaurant there, and I had my 35th uh, high school reunion last night after Fall Fest in both locations. And, and don't judge me, okay? 35 years, don't judge me. I asked, uh, I asked somebody, when I told them that at the Milltown campus, I, I, they said, what year did you graduate? I said, 1988. I said, what year were you born? They said, 1989. That wasn't even right, all right? It, was, it kind of wounded me a little bit. But, uh, and how many of you appreciated the worship experience last uh, Sunday? Uh, intimate setting. I uh, appreciate the testimonies of Rob and Caroline and talking about their own spiritual journeys. Courtney drew these beautiful drawings that were covered in ash, marks of the ashes that you put on the canvas that represented different things for you, maybe repentance or maybe... Uh, some past mistake, or maybe something else you were dealing with in your life. And, and when the people of God in the Old Testament used ashes, and we often read in the scripture that they used sackcloth and ashes, and that was a representation of repentance. And the sackcloth was made of goat's hair, and it was uncomfortable to wear. And they would wear it when they were grieving over something, and the uncomfortable feeling reminded them of how uncomfortable it is at times when we sit in that sin, and yet the ashes reminded people, uh, the people of God, about humility before God, and the ashes represented what it meant to be humble before Him, and they would put ashes on their forehead or on their, or on their uh, head. But my question to you today is, what happens after the ashes? What happens after that moment of repentance before God? Isaiah chapter 61 verse 3 says, that the people of God will receive beauty instead of ashes. They'll receive a crown of beauty. And guys, isn't it amazing how God takes our obstacles and turns them into opportunities? He takes our mistakes and turns them into our mission. Uh, this week on Friday, I had a pretty unique opportunity. And I got an email earlier in the week that was to the dads of the high school seniors who played football. And this was a great email to me because almost everything that's done to celebrate uh, is with the moms. They have mom fires. They have mom photos. They have mom celebrations. And then the dad, he gets nothing. And yet the email this week has said, dads, we're going to celebrate you on senior night. And you're going to be able to walk across the field with your senior. Well, we've done that before. But not only that, you're going to be able to go to the team meal. And I was like, that's great. What are we serving? And they had Olive Garden. How many of you can say amen to that? All right, it's great. And 
So we had Olive Garden with them, and they said, you could be part of the pregame speech. And so we got to hear in the room the senior dads, the message the coach gave to his players. And one of the dads looked at somebody else and said, I'm ready to go to war. I mean, they were excited, and, and they were ready to go. And then they said, uh, not only that, but dads, we want you to wear one of your son's jerseys. And all these dads were like, that ain't happening. I mean... <laughs> Like, they're all so squishy, and the sons are so, you know, not squishy. And, and, uh, and uh, how are we going to do it? And I said, you know what? If they're asking me to put a jersey on, I'm putting that jersey on. You know, it like, took five of us, but we, like, squeezed into that thing. And, and not only that, they said, dads, we want you to run onto the field with your sons. So the big moment came, and the team lined up. And the music is playing, and I took off my hoodie, and I'm wearing the jersey, and I'm excited. And here's all the other dads with their hands in their pockets wearing their hoodies, just standing there. And I was like, guys, the email said, we can run out on the field. And they were all like, nah. One guy goes, you can run out. I was like, I am going to run out. That's what I'm going to do. And I was waiting. You know, I was like, I was going to run with Jason, but he's already up there. And I'm like, all right, fine. And these dads, they were all hanging back. And so I was late getting out there because I was trying to get a couple dads. And one of the guys was like, I'll go with you. <laughs> they didn't really come. It was just me. And so here come all these guys, like all the football players, the band. There's a tunnel. They run through the cheer, all this. Yeah, it's great. We're going to be great. Senior night. And here they all come. And then, and then about 20 yards behind, it's just me. I'm the only one, man. I'm running. I'm like, let's go. Let's go. And people were like, he's crazy. My parents, my kids were like, I don't know, you know. But um, no, Becca was like, yeah, we were celebrating. And then I ran through the, the, the sideline. I was like, let's go, guys. Let's go. And you know why I did that? Because I told the players just a few minutes before I had a chance to do the player devotional. And the message that I gave them was six words that will change your life. Make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. There are two types of people I told those guys in this life. There are victims and they're victors. There are those who see obstacles and there are those who see opportunities. And those who see opportunities, they don't ignore the obstacles, but they overcome them. And they say, we're going to overcome that obstacle. We're going to embrace the opportunity. We're going to move forward. We're going to see the challenges that are ahead, but we're going to attack those challenges. We're not going to be victims. We're going to be victors. And today, I just have this sense that there are people who, when it comes to the campfire, when it comes to ashes, they just sit in the ashes. They stay in the ashes. They stay in that moment of, I blew it big time, and I've made mistakes, and I can't be used anymore. And I know people who stayed in the ashes. They made some big mistakes. They've never gotten over what happened. They've never forgiven themselves. So how do we, how do we move beyond that? And this idea led me to a very familiar historical story in the Old Testament that many of you learned as a child. The story is about a man named Moses who, after his own failure, had his own campfire experience with God. And you know the story. Moses was born as a Hebrew, but the Pharaoh of Egypt wanted to keep the population of the Hebrews to a minimum. And so he had the, the boys, the young boys, killed, thrown into uh, the river to drown. Moses' mother couldn't stand the thought of her baby being drowned, and so she placed him in a basket and let him float down the river. And through God's providence, Moses was found by Pharaoh's daughter, and he was raised by her as, as her own son. 
But God's people were there in Egypt, and they were slaves, and they were harshly treated. And one day, as a young man, Moses saw one of the Egyptians beating one of the Hebrews, and something about that uh, caused Moses to react. And in Exodus chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Looking this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. He looked around because he didn't want to be caught, and obviously, maybe he felt a little bit bad for what he had done because he put sand over the Egyptian to try to hide him. But in Exodus chapter 2, verse 13, it says, The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrews? And the man said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid, and he thought, what I did must have become known. And that is very often the reaction for most of us. We run, we hide. Like a child who runs into his room after breaking a window, we want to hide. And the Pharaoh caught word of this. In verse 15, it says, when the Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the Midian, where he sat down by a well. And that's not a small trip. 360 miles he walked from Egypt to Midian. That is a long way to run from the Lord. And that is exactly how so many of us respond when we're in the ashes. So many of us respond that way when we blow it. We run and we hide. We run by leaving the church, blaming other people, criticizing leadership. We run by being angry. We run by being busy and getting distracted and saying, I just don't have time for any of that stuff with the Lord or with people. We, we run by being depressed and just sitting at that moment of just grief and staying there. We run. Moses ran for a long time. In fact, fast forward 40 years, 40 years. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Moses lived what I guess would be a peaceful life in Midian. He married a, a, the, the priest's daughter named Zipporah. He tended sheep for 40 years. For 40 years, he got up every morning, kissed his wife and his kids goodbye, packed his sack lunch, and headed to the office. He clocked in and he watched sheep every day. The, the most excitement he had, I imagine, is when a, she, a, a sheep would run astray or Maybe a hungry predator would come in to find lunch. That was his day, day after day. But God had a different plan. God decided not to give up on Moses, uh, and he knew exactly where he was. Moses was called by God, but he wouldn't see a flash in the sky or an angel who tapped him on the shoulder. There was nothing to indicate this day would be different than any other day. It's just that something special happened that day. Exodus chapter 3, verse 2, it says, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. I guess so. Why is this bush burning but not burning up? There's a lot we can learn in this story. A lot that we can learn about what it means to rise from the ashes. And here's the first thing that I see, and that is that God usually shows up in the day-to-day. -day. Moses was handling his daily workload, just as usual, tending the flock, 
no big deal. Probably just another boring work day for him as he led the flock towards Horeb, the mountain. But this was just not an ordinary day. It was going to be a day that was truly remarkable, an encounter with God. Very often, friends, God speaks to us in the day-to-day. Like the shepherds on the hillside that night when Jesus' birth was announced, they were just doing their job. And suddenly the angels of the Lord came and said, something special is happening tonight. You need to be aware of it. Moses was called while watching sheep. Gideon was called while threshing wheat. And God said, I have a job for you. God spoke to Elisha while plowing a field. God spoke to Joseph while inside a humble prison. It was during the daily routine, a normal mundane day. Last week, Rob talked about how God met him during an abide worship service. And while he was doing his tech ministry in the back and pushing buttons and raising the volume and lowering the volume, God stepped into his life. God is giving you powerful encounters that can dramatically transform your life's journey, but you've got to be available to it. You have to know that God is speaking to you. Be sensitive to him. Chuck Swindoll one time wrote, that is the way God works. Without even a hint of warning, he speaks to ordinary people on ordinary days. You may be catching a bus tomorrow morning or climbing into a big rig for a 900-mile stretch of monotonous highway or facing a classroom full of students, or slipping behind the wheel of your patrol car, or lifting the baby out of the crib while another little one clings to your leg. That's your day. That's your routine. That's your Mount Horeb. And it may be that on such a normal, standard-issue day, God will choose to speak to you in a way that he has never spoken to you before. That may be that day when he communicates to you something great is on his heart, something that pertains to your destiny, You would have never guessed that you would have rolled out of your bed today and and had that. You couldn't have predicted it when you shaved your face or put on your makeup. It didn't feel different than any other day, but God spoke to you. I think one of the biggest mistakes that we can make is when we use the phrase, it's just a coincidence. It's just a coincidence. I have an inner sense that something should happen. Maybe that's just my conscience. I think we undermine the very Holy Spirit of God that speaks to our heart when we say that. When there's that voice inside of us that says, reach out, do something today, take initiative, encourage somebody, speak a word. Don't underestimate the power of God in your life to simply speak in your mundane day-to-day life. Something may be happening today that's life-changing. And in the same way God wants to speak, in your daily routine. Be sensitive to that voice. The second thing I know is that God calls you by name. In verse 4, it says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. So comforting to me to understand that God didn't just call out and say, bow your knee. I'm the Lord. That wasn't his first words. His first words were just the name of Moses. 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 I mean, look, a burning bush that will not go out is interesting. But when that bush starts talking, that is something to pay attention to, especially when the voice inside the bush says your name. God knew Moses by name. I made the cardinal mistake last night at my 35-year high school reunion 
one of the very first encounters that I had, I knew this moment would happen. Somebody came up to me and said, Steve Sam, how's it going? And I was like, hey, man, <laughs> how are you? Good to see you. You don't remember me, do you? Why do you have to ask that question? I have an opportunity in this moment to either lie or to tell the truth. I should have lied. Just to be honest, I should have lied. I go, oh, yeah, I remember you. But I said the truth. You know, I was like, no, I do not remember you. <laughs> there is no way to say that. I said, nope, nope, I don't remember you. And, uh, and I, was, I felt bad. But I'm like, I didn't know what else to say. And he goes, I'm Dave. And my mind went through the Rolodex in my head. Dave, 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 Dave. Thank you through all the Daves that I've ever met. There's a lot of them out there. And, um, and then he said, I was in band with you for four years. Oh, it's getting, I know. <laughs> Stop. I already feel bad. And, uh, and I'm like, man, okay. And now I'm thinking, well, how do I ask him what instrument he played? Because I'm thinking like, Dave, Dave and band. Now we're getting it whittled it down, you know, like Dave and band. Who is this guy? And, and I'm like, so I didn't know what else to say. So I was like, have you picked up your instrument in a while? <laughs> like the most awkward, weird question. Have you picked up your instrument in a while? He goes, I haven't played trumpet in forever. I'm like, okay, Dave, he's a trumpet player. He played in band with me for four years. And I still am absolutely clueless. The, uh, the, uh, the awkward moment just ended with him kind of walking off. And, um, and then I realized that later in our class picture, he wasn't in our class picture like this. He, he left before they even took the picture. I'm wondering if that's my fault. You know, like maybe he's like, oh, my life is over. You know, Steve doesn't remember. Me. I don't know, you know, but I felt bad. But, but here's the thing. I, I love the fact that our God knows us personally, exactly who we are. He's not an imperfect uh, person. He's not an imperfect father. He's, he's not somebody who loses his memory. He, he remembers you personally, right where you are. How do I know that? He called Moses by name. A young boy that served in the Lord's work, trying to figure out what he was supposed to do next, following a bunch of imperfect leaders and one day, God called out to him, Samuel, I have a job for you. And Samuel grew to be uh, one of the greatest, uh, grew, uh, grew to be one of the greatest leaders. A prominent Christian leader um, had let down the Lord in a very critical moment. In fact, right when the Lord really, really needed him. And after Jesus resurrected, he said, Peter, I still have a job for you. He knew him by name. Go feed my sheep. There was a military leader that was once praying to God. He probably thought, I don't, I'm not very well known. And, and an angel one day came to greet Cornelius to prepare the way for him so that the gospel could be spread and that Peter could understand the mission that God had called him to. Cornelius was called by name. And the Bible has many more instances where God called people by their name. So friend, be assured, God knows you. The fact that he knows you by name shows you how personal his love is towards you. The Bible says in Isaiah 49, before I was born, the Lord called me from my mother's womb. He had spoken my name, Moses, Moses. And I love Moses' response because he just says, here I am, Lord. 
so many times we ignore the call of God in our heart and our life, we're more likely to respond when we feel or sense that voice in our life. Not right now, God. I'm too busy, Lord. That, that, it can't not be your voice, so I'm not going to hear it right now. What opportunity do we miss? Six words that will change your life. Make the most of every opportunity. Moses said, here am I. It reminds me of the moment when Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, found himself in this celestial scene with the angels. It overwhelmed him. He was awestruck by the presence of God, but his response was the same as Moses. Here am I. Most of us, I think, need to wake up and pray that prayer. Here I am, Lord. I'm not perfect. I'm unholy. I'm unworthy, but I'm here. Use me as you want today, God. Speak to my heart. Help me know what you've called me to. I know I'm not the best, but I'm here. The third thing is that God reminds us of his holiness. Verse 5 says, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Faced with the awesomeness of God's holy presence, Moses hid his face. I have this belief that many of us, especially here in our country, have um, lost a sense of awe and respect. There are those of us who feel very self-sufficient, and somewhere along the line, we have lost that God's call is not just for us to be saved, but it is for us to be holy, to be set apart, to have respect for the Lord. The Hebrew word translated holy means separated. And God was saying to Moses, I want you to separate yourself from your past mistakes. I want you to remove your mind from your immediate responsibilities. Give me your undivided attention. I want you to listen to what I'm saying right now. Separate yourself from every human thing. And not only that, God was giving notice to Moses that he wasn't just speaking to the man upstairs. He wasn't just approaching his best buddy. He was coming into contact with the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the bushes and of the fire. He is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And Moses was so afraid that he hid his face. Would you agree with me that we have lost a sense of respect? The coach this week when he spoke to the students, the boys, he said, Boys, take off your hat. Put your cell phones away. When you stand for the national anthem, the words come out. Take your hat off. Put your hand on your heart. It's a moment for respect. And the greatest moment of respect that we can show is the respect that we need to show to Almighty God. We flippantly use His name, Oh my God, and we don't even know what that does to His heart. We selfishly pray our prayers, God bless me, and we're angry when he doesn't seem to follow through. We live our lives in our own terms, little transformation, little change, not as holy or separated, but pretty much the same as everybody else, and we wonder why there's little impact. We need to experience God's holy presence afresh. That's why I appreciated moments like last week when Hannah stepped away for a moment from the keyboard to say to everybody in the room, this is a holy moment. This is a moment where we need to recognize who we're worshiping and who we're singing. This is not about you. This is not about your voice. This is not about this moment even where we're wondering how good the music will be today. This is a moment where we come before the Lord in his holiness. As the hymn writer writes, holy, holy, holy 
Only thou art holy. There is none beside thee, perfect in power, in love, and in purity. That's one of the reasons why weekly worship is so important, because it reminds us that we are not self-sufficient, that God in his holiness needs to be worshiped, that we come before him humbly to say, thank you, Lord, for being, for being who you are and for using us despite our brokenness. The last thing I would say is that we need to be assured that God is with us always. Verse 11 and 12 of chapter 5 says, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with them. Moses um, goes on with a lot of excuses in this story. I'm not worthy. I can't speak well. The people will not listen to me. And for every excuse, God has an answer. When Jesus was with his disciples just before he ascended back into heaven, he left them with the words, go into all the world and make disciples. But then he said, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. You're not alone. I'm with you. You're, you're, gonna, you're not going to be on your own. I, I, there have been times in my life where I feel lonely, even though I'm around people a lot. And there have been times where you feel like you're on your own. And that encourages me to know that God's with me. Um, I remember when I was a kid, maybe you guys relate to this moment, I had a dog named Dottie. Dottie was a mutt and was found on the road. My dad brought Dottie home, saw her in the middle of the road, and brought her home. Dottie hated me. Uh, she chewed my faux leather jacket to pieces. I wanted to be like the Fonz, you know? And I had this leather jacket, and the dog would chew. And I remember this time I was out back on the back steps of my house in North Carolina, and there was the dog, and there was me. And the dog was chewing my sleeve and looking up at me with little puppy dog eyes. And I looked at the dog. It must have been a sad moment for me. And I looked at Dottie, and I said, I think you're the only friend that I have in the world. And the dog, thank you, the dog is chewing me, you know? And I'm reminded, guys, that we have a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. No matter when you feel alone, God's presence is with you. In those moments of quietness and privacy, when you feel like maybe nobody understands, maybe I'm sitting in the ashes and nobody understands what it means to blow it like I blew it, do what I did, think what I think, say what I say, we all have moments where we wish we would have done something different. It's in those moments that Christ himself reminds us, surely I am with you always. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I know you by name. You are my child. I have called you to something great. So get up from the ashes. Get up from the ashes. I will give you a crown of beauty instead of ashes. I, I personally believe that the most important thing that we can do in our life is to find ways to be used by God to make a difference. Everybody works a job. But the question is, how am I using that job to make a difference in this life? And when it comes to your kids, you have to ask your question, how am I making my kids into people, helping them be people that love the Lord, that want to serve Him, that want to help other people, not only in this life, but in the life to come? In, in my view, it is the most important thing that's out there. And some of you say, yeah, but I'm not good, or I'm not worthy, or I can't do it. And I would just say to you, if, if God was going to use perfect people There'd only be one person in the world that he could use, and that'd be Jesus himself. But Jesus, after three years, said, guys, hey, I'm going back to heaven. 
I'm always going to be with you, but you're my plan A. You're my only plan. And friends, God is calling you. I know it. He is not done with you. You may feel like you're not usable, but God specializes in using the broken. The question is, are you going to give your all to him? I have a photo that I cherish. Uh, It's of my dad uh, before he passed away. A few years before he passed, we were in uh, Utah and Wyoming, and, and we were somewhere in Wyoming, I, I think, and we had this little outdoor chapel that we found. And so we walked into it, and there's a cross at the front of the chapel, and it overlooks this beautiful mountainside. And there's my dad standing at the front of the chapel, the mountains, the cross, and my dad. And I, I took a photo of that moment. I thought, this is, this is something I want to remember. And it reminded me in that, in that moment of the song, when I survey the wondrous cross, it demands my soul, my life, my all. You may say today, I'm not worthy. I'm imperfect. I've failed. Friends, God used a murderer named Moses an adulterer named David, a drunk named Noah, a cheat named Jacob, a coward named Jonah, and he wants to use you too. And friends, it's time to rise from the ashes. And God, we give you thanks today for your grace and your mercy, because we need it, and because all of us are imperfect. God, thanks for the reminder today that you are holy, and that we come before you today as people who are unworthy, and broken. And yet, God, you use us. You speak our name. I want to use you. I want you to do something for me. It may be small in the moment. It may seem insignificant, but that word of encouragement may breathe life into somebody who's ready to to give up their very life. That smile that you offer to somebody, that warm and embrace, that instruction to your child, that moment of worship, That moment where you say, I'm going to take a leap of faith. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to go into a different field. That moment where you say, I I sense that God is leading me to do something that I would never do on my own. I'm an introvert. I, I can't talk to people. But then when you listen to that voice, you find out God wants to use you. God knows you. He sees where you are. And he says, my child. Rise from the ashes. I give you you a crown of beauty, not ashes. Rise from that moment. Be used by me. So God, we pray today that we would be those people who would be available. And thank you, God, for using broken vases like us. And we give you all the glory. 